Marcast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital, the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. Welcome to Marcast, the marketing magazine podcast series, one-on-one conversations with some of Australia's sharpest marketing minds. I'm Ben Ice, editor at Marketing Magazine, and I'm proud to introduce this episode. Today, Dave chats with Amanda McMillan, Customer Marketing Lead Australia and New Zealand at New Farm. It's our first big dive into B2B marketing. Dave and Amanda will talk about all things product, customer insight, and marketing philosophy at New Farm. If I said guess the name of a billion-dollar ASX-listed organisation selling thousands of products in over 100 countries around the world, I wonder how many listeners would guess I was talking about New Farm. Yet it's a business that touches, albeit indirectly, every one of us. New Farm products protect crops from disease, pests and weeds and are depended on by tens of thousands of farmers around the world and the millions of consumers who enjoy the food those farmers grow. It's a fascinating business and as we continue our conversation with the sharpest minds in marketing, I'm privileged to be joined by Amanda McMillan, Lead of Customer Marketing in Australia and New Zealand at New Farm. Amanda... Welcome. Thank you very much. Now, when I started drinking beer in Melbourne in the 80s, people were defined as VB drinkers, Melbourne bitter drinkers, and there's a handful of toffee crownies. Today, we live in a multi-beeral world with lagers, pale ales, pilsners, IPAs, stouts, porters, and on and on and on. So my question is which beer best describes Amanda McMillan. Well, you have touched on something that's very close to my heart. So I am a craft beer enthusiast, and uh, if I had to name one, it would be an IPA. So what are the characteristics of an IPA that align with your characteristics? I love a good hoppy beer. So um, I guess for me, it's about sampling and experiencing beer. I'm a lover of of all things beer, but uh, certainly... Any IPA or double IPA um, really hits a spot for me. What about New Farm? Which beer would New Farm like best? Ooh, I think that's an interesting question and and a nice alignment there. Uh, In terms of if I think of of our brand and and what it means to the growers across Australia and, and certainly the channel partners that we have very strong relationships with, I would say that we're one for all Australians. So that being said, I would say potentially a lager of, of yesteryear, but today perhaps a pale ale as it comes through. All right, there you go. So Head of Customer Marketing, Australia and New Zealand at New Farm, what, what does that mean that you do day to day? What work are you involved with? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a varied role. So certainly no week is, is probably the same as, as any other week. And uh, so my role, I sit on the regional leadership team across Australia and New Zealand with my peers and um, I have a, a team of marketers and I think with with the marketing team, we bridge really across the future being our portfolio solutions team, which is the innovations that are moving forward into the business and also across our commercial team, we really support them in the day-to-day slash in the support of our achieving our annual operating plan. So no two days are the same or no two weeks are the same. So we, we have lots of different projects that are both uh, current and future that we need to balance across the team and, and myself. Great. We might explore some of those projects as, as we talk further. 
it strikes me immediately that when you define marketing at New Farm, you straight away talk about other roles and about integration and about leadership teams. So is it fair to say that marketing isn't, it's not a silo stuck in a in a side corridor at New Farm, it's pretty integral to the business and, and you're pretty integral to the business plans? Absolutely. I mean, we very much uh, cross-collaborate. Um, so many different stakeholders across the business. You mentioned as well that we're global. So absolutely, there's our global colleagues. We have our um, local team and uh, local teams in terms of where we cross-collaborate and, and given, I guess, the technical side of our business as well, it's very important from a regulation point of view to, to have very strong relationships right through the business. So customer marketing, from that title, do I assume there's, there's other marketing? How does the broader marketing organisation work at New Farm and what functionally do you focus on? Hmm. So the team and myself, if I if I sort of go back in time, I, I've been with the business now just on 18 months and uh, we were a newly formed team when I first, I guess, uh, started at New Farm and we bring a really diverse uh, cross selection of skills to the marketing team. So within marketing, we have technical marketing, strategic marketing, we have digital marketing, which is very much emerging for us um, and as an industry as well going from strength to strength and also our digital loyalty um, or our loyalty marketing as well. And the, the size of the marketing organisation at New Farm, give us a feel for how many people are involved. Yeah, including myself, there's around 10 of us, so as a team. And uh, in terms of how it's structured, we have uh, a number of broadacre products and a number of horticulture products. So there are two hubs or streams, I guess, within the, the marketing function. And then, as I mentioned, we've got uh, technical marketing that supports those hubs as well as digital marketing and loyalty marketing. So product-focused or customer-focused aspect and then a matrix model where then there's some some marketing specialist function, digital or so forth. Absolutely, yeah. And I think you know what we do is we put the customer at the heart of everything that we do. So we're very customer-centric as an organisation and certainly, I guess, marketing's role is always to make sure that we're bringing to market uh, solutions that are beneficial to our customers, so whether that's our channel partners or our growers and how we align with our commercial team and, and certainly our portfolio solutions team to bring those solutions to market to benefit our growers out in Australia who, who, who struggle with, um, with weeds, as an example, um, right through, I guess, all aspects of Australia and all sorts of different crops and regions across Australia. Clearly a lot broader than just marketing communications. You talk about customer solutions and products. I'd like to explore that a little further. Also... The final question around the sort of the structure, at the senior levels of the organisation, would you describe New Farm as a marketing-oriented organisation or is it is marketing something that you're sort of consistently having to battle to give voice within the organisation? Where on that sort of continuum do you think it sits? Yeah, I think we're evolving in, in, the, in the marketing space. So there's been an investment in the team and, and certainly within the marketing space and digital marketing, which... Uh, no doubt we'll talk a little bit more about what that yeah. looks like, the future of marketing at New Farm and, and certainly within the agricultural industry. So there's a commitment to the marketing department function and certainly the, the opportunities that present across investing in our brand and our products and our people uh, right through the business. But like any business, that can ebb and flow. So from being, I guess, a commercially focused business or a production-led business, I've worked in, in multiple different businesses where there has been, I guess, uh, a little bit of a balance of, of all three integrating, but um, I think we're certainly evolving in this space. And, and there's been some exciting things that have happened in my tenure as well at, at New Farm so far, and, and certainly 
looking ahead, there's lots of opportunities um, to continue to invest in marketing. And as you mentioned, it was a new team that you came to lead. So, I mean, straight away, there's a clear message from the organisation that they're investing and looking to grow and, and focus more in this area. Absolutely. You talked about um, customer centricity and the voice of the customer. It's a particular passion of mine. Tell us about your customer. Well, I think uh, in terms of this particular role and, and business, uh, it's multifaceted in terms of who our actual customer is or customers are. And I think that's what makes it so um, exciting and different, I think, to, to other brands or businesses. This is a you know, business-to-business organisation and multi-layered in terms of we have very strong relationships with our channel partners and uh, we also have solutions that are going to the end user, which is the growers. But there are other influences along the way, such as agronomists and consultants or influencers um, that help and support, I guess, that farm planning piece for our end users being the growers thinking particularly about the channel and the growers, do you need to look at those through independent lens and focus on one and then try and find some common ground or is there a natural synergy to that? How do you juggle that focusing in two places at once? Yeah, I think it's something that we continue to strengthen, but I think that the ultimate question is always coming back to, as a marketer, um, who, who are you communicating with? Who are you communicating to? So, Absolutely, we need to tailor and customise our messaging um, and solutions for, I guess, the benefit of each of those customer groups. So the message, um, the messaging or, or the partnering with a channel partner may be slightly different to the end user being a grower um, and understanding the, the nuances there as well as the relationships that they may have with their channel partner or their agronomist um, and just working with them. So just making sure that we have, in particular, if we think of the marketing messaging um, ultimately we want to have the right communication to the right person in the right channel. So that just optimises, I guess, the information that they gather and seek and uh, delivers a great result. So an underlying set of brand attributes that's consistent and then some customization in the content and the nature of the messaging depending on the audience that you're talking yeah, to. absolutely. The nature of the messaging um, in terms of what that content looks like and also the delivery of that messaging as well. So we all know that uh, growers, as an example, are very busy. You know, sometimes they're they're on the farms themselves unless their agronomist or channel partner is, is on site with them farm planning, but they're very, very much, and, and we've done a, a number of different research studies in my time at New Farm, and, and what we know is that they're wearing many hats every day. So how can we help them either in terms of digest the information or provide the information in a, in a really friendly manner that, that makes sense to them? And so the information that you're talking about in that sense is, is technical and, fu- and functional information, which is perhaps a bit different to many product sales where, where there's not a lot of that information of that nature and we're largely just look at us, look at us, pay attention to us. You're actually communicating important information around how to use the products, when to use the products, why to use the products. Absolutely. There is a very strong technical element to those, um, I guess, materials that we that we have available and also in terms of how we can make sure that that messaging or that product is absolutely relevant to the need and the purpose that they're looking to solve, really, if they have a, a crop protection issue. Is that the role of the agronomist? How do they fit into that picture? Yeah, I mean, our, our experience and uh, certainly the research um, indicates that, that that's a very strong relationship. In fact, um, the agronomists themselves can wear many hats also. I mean, we, we're in an environment where it's been very tough in the last uh, 
12 months in terms of we've been in a, in a drought more or less across right across Australia. So um, it's been some tough times. So there are times where they're absolutely there, farm planning, relying on them for the decisions to help them make the, the right choice for, for the problem at hand. But also there's times where they lean on them. So they may be, uh, I guess, the, the person that they lean to the most, even outside of their family members, there's daily contact or or very frequent contact with their agronomist. There's a very strong relationship that they have and a lot of trust and, and reliability on that relationship. So a crucial part of the communication puzzle for you because it, it sounds like it would be almost impossible for you and your distributors to be sending one message directly to your farmers, your growers, if that message was contradicted or a different message coming from their agronomist given that close partnership. Absolutely. And I think you've touched on something there, which is, I guess, what I always refer to as that consistency of the message right through the line. So when I mention that it might be tailored to a particular audience or delivered in a certain way that is user-friendly for that particular audience, our, our different customer groups, it's absolutely the same message. It's just uh, perhaps the, the level of detail or, or the format in which it's delivered is a little bit different. You talked about the brand, the new farm brand and then your product brands. Where does most of the focus go? Are they, are they, is there a clear primary communication medium or focus or is it all about new farm and the brands are tag along or is it largely product brand led? How does that mix work? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because we have a number of brands in our in our stable of products, um, so an extensive portfolio, given again that we have those two streams being Broadacre and, and Horticulture. And if you think about Australia and all the regions across Australia and then start to think about all the crops that uh, that you may see and that are, I guess, growing right across different regions in Australia... The complexity of the business in terms of the portfolio, there is no way for us to be able to support every single product range, I guess, uh, from a resourcing point of view, from a financial point of view. So we funnel down in terms of really focusing on some core brands, which we call power brands, um, to communicate, uh, I guess, externally. So have some funding behind those to invest in. But overarching, we have the new farm brand. So that absolutely is so important to nurture and to build and even, you know, continue to grow in, in, in awareness and, um, and support. So everything that we do, the master brand or the, uh, the family brand being New Farm is ever so important to continue to, to resonate. There's a, a lot of quality and dependability behind this brand, um, so important to make sure that we continue to support our New Farm brand. You've done some brand work since you joined. You've had another look at the brand. Um, tell us about that project and maybe the scale of it and some of the changes. Was Has it been an evolution or a revolution? It's been an evolution and one that our global colleagues have been certainly, um, I guess, very uh, or driving forward. It, it is more or less a an evolution of our brand, but um, very important to continue to evolve your brand. And uh, it, about mid-year last year, we... So in mid-2018, we, uh, I guess, turned the page onto a new chapter for the New Farm brand story and uh, with that, rolled out the brand. Actually, um, right across Australia, we, the approach that we took was given that everybody in our business is so important as a brand ambassador for the New Farm brand, it was ever so important to get in front of people. So I'm trying to remember now, but I think it was uh, six different cities 
think it was about 16 or 17 different brand sessions that we held and, and I think we were face-to-face -face, uh, with 400 employees across the business. So just explaining what those changes look like, a brand is much more than a logo evolution or change. So with that came all sorts of new guidelines as well, which is um, really important. So if we think about our tone of voice and our brand personality, everybody in our business is a brand ambassador, so very important that uh, everybody could embrace that evolution and those changes that were taking place and an exciting time for the business too. And what prompted the brand, that this new chapter in the brand? Was it research-driven and you were hearing customer voice saying that they felt that the brand wasn't reflecting what they were looking for now? What was the spark that initiated this project? Yeah, I think if you think of all the big brands that you're aware of uh, across industries, and if you actually were to look over time, some of those brands, um, you may not even notice that they've changed. So I guess when I come back to the brand evolving, the logo, it's been probably simplified a little bit, so it's more contemporary. But also one of the, the catalysts was actually our, our digital footprint. So when we look at our brand and if you think about um, growers who are potentially sitting in headers or on farm all day and if they're scouring for information through their feeds, um, actually our brand now is, is optimised to be really mobile friendly, digital friendly, so very small spaces, which was really important as well, so that we could be, I guess, um, really easy to be identifiable as an example. Yeah, so quite a functional drive there. And then you talked earlier about it's something that you, in your view, marketers need to be evolving anyway, regardless of what brand's keeping it contemporary. You're saying it's not necessarily something you even ask yourself as a marketer, should I be having another look at my brand and what it stands for and refreshing it, but it's just part, a standard part of the toolkit that you're doing continually. Yeah, I think it's just about staying fresh, contemporary, relevant. I mean, they're probably the, the, the three aspects to your brand to make sure that also, as I said, that in all communication avenues that you can be seen and heard and identified so that people can rely on you and, and notice you. Are there any particular attributes of the brand through that journey that you have focused on and elevated in terms of your messaging or, or reduced in terms of the focus that you're able to share? And I understand some of this you can't, mm. but anything that sort of stands out that you think you could tell us? Yeah, I just think the uh, our brand personality is ever so important. It underpins everything in terms of who we are and what we do. And I think our tone of voice, so really something that resonates with our customers. So we're very customer-centric and we are a brand that is down to earth, so very much hands-on, down to earth, shoulder to shoulder with our customers. And that's really, I guess, um, part of our evolution is our voice, so our tone of voice. And that's represented right through um, who we are, I guess, as employees for New Farm, but uh, partnering with our customers right through to the materials and the way in which our materials evolve. There's perhaps a a superficial perception of, of your end-user customer, the farmer, being a bit of a that, that iconic knockabout Aussie bloke. And I imagine that that's perhaps a bit outdated. There's probably some of them still there as well, but I also imagine that that's evolved. And if I, if I look at what I've seen of your brand, it, it, there's a sophistication to it that really proves that the idea of some kind of 18th century guy with old teeth is not really your customer. Well, if we think about our end users being growers, as you've sort of mentioned there, 
I think we need to think about the progressive farming that's happening and some really innovative thinking and the next generation of farmers coming through as well. So there's some real excitement within that space in terms of what farming looks like in Australia and the the progressive thinking that, that they're bringing to Australian farming. I love this customer stuff. For me, that's the essence of marketing. It's clear you have a good feel for for your customers. How do you actually go about that? What are some of the sort of the functional, tactical, operational things you do to hear from your customers, to communicate with your customers, to, but particularly from a sort of a customer insight perspective, how do you get, the, get that insight? Well, I think if we look across the business, um, we're always, in terms of our commercial team or our field managers that are in our portfolio solutions team, there are lots of people who have daily contact with our customers and it's about understanding what is going on, to have a finger on the pulse in terms of what's happening in a particular region or a particular um, crop or with a, a particular customer group. That's really important. We have different avenues in terms of how we collect those insights within the business. But I think if we look back in terms of the last 12 months, there's been some real investment um, behind some of the research that we've conducted with our with our customer groups. Um, there's been two key studies that I've been involved in. Um, one was, I'm not sure uh, if everyone's heard about an ethnography study, but that's something that's pretty close to my heart. So run a number of these over, over different businesses that I've worked in across my marketing career. But uh, for those that don't know what an ethnography study is, it's actually um, very insightful. It's insight rich and uh, it's not about numbers. It's actually very, very um, small in terms of the sample size that you look at um, and that you actually roll out in terms of really targeting the right group to understand what drives them and motivates them. It's very insight rich. So it's a very small sample. So it was very privileged to undertake a study last year where we engaged a number of growers representing our broadacre farming communities across Australia. And from that, we extracted you know some key insights around understanding what some of their pain points were what value we could offer to find solutions for some of those pain points, but also in terms of the way the study was conducted as, as an ethnography is that it's absolutely shadowing our growers. So what they do day in, day out, which is where you get those nuggets of information and those insights. So it was across two days on farm across a number of broadacre farmers in Australia. So that's what I guess makes me tick to understand what really makes our customers tick um, and that those being our growers to understand, as I mentioned, some of those pain points and opportunities to help them solve problems. We're not talking about a 10-minute quant survey. We're not talking about two hours in a room tossing ideas around. We're talking about two days in the field observing Absolutely. Every, every part of them. There's no script. So it's very organic in terms of, uh, so it's not a structured interview. It really is shadowing um, in the daily life. So you could be on a header in one minute. You could be out the back looking at the shed and, and starting to fill up chemicals ready to spray. You could be um, looking at their books and doing some farm planning. Um, it could be anything. So lots and lots of um, rich insights that come from a day in the life, really. If you think about a day in the life and walking in somebody else's shoes, that's what it's all about. So that was over two days, which is um, quite amazing to visit many places across Australia for broadacre farming. Is there a, a particular insight that you can recall, maybe even not a key strategic one, but one that sort of just surprised you or that really reinforced to you the benefit of this approach because you thought to yourself, I would never have got that if I had have just asked about that? 
I think one of the, the key ones was actually around our new farm brand. So you asked, you know, a few moments ago about do we support our large portfolio of products as individual brands or as overarching new farm brand? And I think what it showed is that in terms of from a user point of view, from a grower point of view, they may think about the active ingredient or they may think about a product that they've used um, over and over where it's performed. But um, as to the New Farm brand and awareness across the New Farm brand and what it means, there's an opportunity there for us to continue to, to build our brand and tell our story, which is ever so important. It really strikes me when you talk about customer insight, as important as those formal studies are, the informal insight that you're getting from working with your colleagues, with the other parts of the business that are out, meeting the growers and the channel partners regularly. I wonder, particularly because of the seasonality of your business and what's happening with the weather at the moment, it has such an impact on your customers that the immediacy and currency of information and insight is important, perhaps more important in, in that kind of industry than in something else where things change more slowly. So I can see how important it is to get that feedback from other parts of the business. Is that something that you have to deliberately invest in and have deliberate meetings, processes, technology tools, information sharing platforms or strategies, or is it just ingrained in the business and it happens organically? I mean, we're a very big business in terms of there's many boots on the ground across Australia. So we have, um, in crop protection, we have the largest sales force um, servicing in, in terms of our customers across growers and channel partners. So they definitely have the finger on the pulse, as do our field team across our portfolio solutions team. So any nuggets of information we do share, we have um, information platforms within the business. Um, if you think of something like Facebook, it's the internal chatter of the organisation and that is a, a real lifeline for us in terms of um, keeping the finger on the pulse and sharing. So it could be a quick picture, it could be a quick comment um, and anybody that is on that on that platform is able to contribute or, or take the learnings. Um, so that, that gives us, I guess, that platform to build from, but obviously we also have lots of, not channels of communication, but we just have lots of sharing of nuggets of information that's, that's happening within the business. So um, we're able to access that information pretty easily. Tell us a, a bit more about the digital journey at New Farm and some of the things that you're particularly doing in digital, some of the things that you might be planning to do with digital. Such an exciting space in agriculture. So I think of, you know, where I've come from in terms of my marketing career and, and where we're at with agriculture and just we have a very active audience that's on um, platforms like Twitter and using Twitter as an example day in, day out as forums as well. So, again, if you think about somebody being on their farm, a little bit isolated potentially at times um, and maybe problem solving on their own at times as well, they can take to Twitter post a comment and see actually if, if they're the only ones with a problem or, or perhaps if it's wider than, than themselves and their farm. So we have a very, I guess, active and, and captive audience as well at times because they might be in headers for hours and hours and hours during harvest um, on their own, so scrolling their feeds. So really important platform for us in terms of that's, that's social media, but then the digital arm of marketing, again, is really being able to, particularly because we... We have so many regions, so many crops, um, so many different um, 
I guess, audience profiles to talk to in terms of our customer groups and segments, that digital is the way for us to, if we think about geo-targeting, we can geo-target the message so it's going to the right person at the right time and they're able to get the right information at that time, which makes their lives easier as well. So, again, it's efficient for us as well because we think of the, the, the scale of Australia, we can't talk to everybody necessarily on the same topic because it just won't be relevant. So we want to make sure that we have the right message to the right audience at the right time and that it's relevant for them. And again, from an ignorant perspective, the idea of all of these growers out there on Twitter is surprising, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that obvious image that you get. How did you find out? Is that just in, embedded knowledge? If you're in the crop protection industry, you understand that farmers are on Twitter or is that something you have to discover as a marketing organisation? I think uh, in terms of from an agricultural point of view, there is an awareness of, of yes, people use, use Twitter as a, as a platform for sure. It's just in terms of understanding what they're seeking from that platform. So again, it won't be the same message on Twitter necessarily as it is on Facebook, as it necessarily is, I guess, in the, the digital world outside of the, the social platform. So understanding, again, what people are using certain tools or platforms for is ever so important. There's a risk, I imagine, of getting that wrong. If you're just imposing brand messaging in, into that kind of environment, then you're doing yourselves harm because the response of the customer audience from that is, is this is just annoying. It's not adding any value in this environment. So you've got to pick the right social media environment. And if you're going to contribute to that, you've got to be adding value. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it just comes back again to making sure that we're efficient in terms of when we communicate and how we communicate because it's about tailoring the right message and, and the right voice of reason to be able to add value or, or find a solution and participate in that in that conversation. So it's certainly as well, I think, of, you know, social media, it's, it's that two-way dialogue, which is fantastic. So that's where you can have that real-time as well, dialogue with your customers as well to help them find solutions. From a marketing capability perspective, it strikes me that it could potentially do two things, and I wonder if either of these are right. One is that there is a, a real requirement for your marketing team to have quite detailed domain knowledge. You, if you're going to contribute to these conversations, you actually have to know your stuff. We're not just advertising a few product attributes here, but we're actually contributing to, to a quite a technical craft conversation. So do you need that skill on your team, or is that expertise that you buy in, or am I, am I wrong? I mean, I think uh, when I was talking about the, the diversity within the marketing function at New Farm, there is a technical arm and, and technical capability there. So very important um, for us as a team. So we certainly lean on each other and that's part of the collaboration even within the team. So we have that strategy, but we also have that technical marketing capability. So any messages, wherever they are going out, out into, I guess, the, the public domain, whether it's printed or, or online, we go through a, a rigorous process of, of making sure that those messages are correct. And also in terms of back to the digital marketing um, investment across the business, uh, we do have a very skilled and, and capable individual who brings a lot of or depth and wealth of experience from, from outside of agriculture as well. So within that space to, to take us to the next level as well within digital marketing. In your case, you have a specialist who really understands digital. We do. Um, so we have a digital marketing lead. So setting the, the strategic framework for us and roadmap and uh, really exciting space. And, and to be able to bring 
outside knowledge into agriculture and into um, New Farm is, is really exciting for us. I was at a marketing conference a little while ago and one of the speakers said that they would they would never recruit anyone onto their marketing team who didn't have a social media account, which made a lot of sense. But what I didn't understand about that is how would you possibly recruit anyone into any role these days who doesn't have a social media account? Doesn't <laughs> everyone have a social media account? Surely the bar's a little higher than that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It certainly is, yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just think as well that, that potentially in the past people have been a little bit... Uh, cautious, uh, anxious about what goes out. And um, I think, you know, you just need to relax about uh, what you're saying because it's, it's, it's coming from, from the heart. It's, it's about our customers. So it's all about being customer-centric with uh, how we can support them. Is it letting go a bit of a bit of control and, and being afraid to put things out and maybe not being as crafted and perfect as it might have been in the past, is that...? Well, I think it's about... Um, you know, our customers, like in any any industry, they're real people with real problems or real questions and how we can harness that information and, and be timely about uh, how we can support them. And, and certainly, as I said, with our customer groups, they're all around Australia. So how can we... It's, it's a real-time response opportunity for us to engage with our customers and, and that dialogue is ever so valuable. And again, you can extract rich insights. So I spoke about running a you know, a large-scale piece of, of research, which, which was the ethnographic research, but actually the information that you can extract daily from conversations, as I mentioned, from boots on the ground to to uh, two-way dialogue, um, that's what it's all about, is, is it's information. Something that struck me when I did some preparation for our conversation was um, it's quite high level on your, on your website, your public website, is a, is a series of branded services that you offer. So not just the products that you're selling, but services to farmers that that I imagine are services that you provide, not necessarily on a commercial basis, but as part of the relationship with your with your customers. Can you tell us a little bit about the services that you offer, where they come from, how and are they an important part? It struck me because they're sort of upfront and, and dominant there. Is it an important part of your strategy? And then how do you choose how richly to invest in those non-commercial initiatives that aren't generating a direct return but are going to the, the relationship and the brand? Yeah, I mean, we have a, a number of services, as you say. Um, I think if, if we step back for a minute and, and come up a little bit higher, I think it's all about um, stewardship or thought leadership opportunities, how we can continue to support and invest in services that are of interest to our customers. So how can we continue to add value? And and two of those that come to mind are spray-wise decisions. So how and when to, to, to spray is a really big platform for us. Um, and we offer the, those services to our grower community in particular. And we also have Top Croppers, which is a loyalty program as well. So it's been around for a number of years and uh, continues to, to get great support from our, our grower networks. And I imagine commercially there's, uh, like many industries, there's, there's lower cost options for, for many of these products. And so a point of difference for new farmers to offer these services. And, and is, I mean, the language that you use, stewardship, th- these are pretty high-level concepts, right? We're not talking about mm. functional retail transactions when we're talking about a brand that has stewardship. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think um, what you've said is absolutely true. Um, it is it is just bigger than absolutely bigger than just the products that we sell. It's it's how can we continue to support communities across regional Australia and and growers. Um, I think the other thing to really bear in mind is that we are very customer centric. In fact, we have um, manufacturing sites in Australia, so both. Uh, here locally in Melbourne in Leverton, and we also have our Quinana site over in Western Australia, and we're very committed to Australian manufacturing. So there's that supply dependability and reliability right here um, on our doorstep to help uh, partner with our customers, um, ensure that they get the right product at the right time. And also in terms of our, from a technical side, we actually have a, a team of um, research and development specialists right here in, in Victoria, in Melbourne again at our Leverton site. And I think there's a fun fact here, which is collectively across that those groups of individuals in terms of the research and development team in our formulations centre of excellence here based in Australia that supports the rest of the world, um, they've got 130 years of scientific uh, chemistry background right here in Australia, which is great. So I think if we, if we look at our products right through from formulation, um, right through to manufacturing here in Australia into and onto farms and then the stewardship programs that we can offer outside of, I guess, that, that delivery and ongoing is really important part of our business and quite strategic. And something that you're continuing to invest in, I imagine, because you're seeing returns on that. Your, your, your customers value that services. They're not just looking for a, for a cheap price, but they're actually, they're really becoming reliant on, on you for those services. That's right. I mean, obviously, price is always going to be um, key to their decision making, but uh, understanding the value that we can bring outside of just, uh, I guess, the if there was an import product, there's a lot more to, to our product and our brand um, that we can add some, certainly add some value to. What other external factors are are on your horizon? What can you see in the crop protection market as influencing the way the, the market and the, the way you market needs to change over the coming years? Well, as I said earlier, in terms of there's some really progressive farming that's going on in Australia, and I think uh, within that digital environment and precision farming, there's a whole lot of opportunities, which is really exciting across, uh, I guess, Australian farming. I want to go back to sales and marketing alignment. We talked about customer insight and the importance of having healthy dialogue and, and getting that really rich information back from the sales force, from the field force, from your people out there. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to hate me for saying there's a reputation for sales and marketing to sometimes not work harmoniously. It's, it's a huge, often discussed opportunity now. Uh, I mentioned I was at a, at a conference in the last couple of days, the CXO Leaders Summit, um, we had a, a wonderful presentation from uh, Australia Post who were talking about it's one of the key pillars of their strategy moving forward, which is to have this sales and marketing alignment. A new farm just blessed that you don't suffer from that t- tension that, that can exist or does that tension exist? And, and have you had any, is there any wisdom you can share about how the rest of us mere models can make that work in our organisations? I think uh, across my marketing career, we're talking specifically about business-to-business marketing here and life at New Farm, but I think uh, it's always good to have healthy tension because that's when you're going to get to some really some robust discussions and some really good outcomes, and that's what it's all about. It's never personal. It's all about the business, and uh, I think that's what we've got to stay focused on. But I think it's like any relationship. You've got to work at it. So we need to invest time in the field with our sales colleagues, walk in their shoes. I'm an ambassador for that. And uh, 
Likewise, uh, I've just come off a week where actually a commercial person has actually spent a week in marketing, which has been pretty exciting from his perspective and also from our perspective as well to be able to tease out and, and pick pick a few things out of his brain in terms of what does real life look like on, on the road and uh, in his patch and, and I think vice versa, having an understanding of, oh, okay, those things do take that long for those reasons as an example or that's the process that you go through. It's enlightening for both parties. So I think the more we can do of that certainly helps, um, I guess, us understand the worlds of each other. Sounds like very sage advice. <laughs> I have six questions and I need your answers in 60 seconds. A favourite brand? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't want to go with any, anything cliched, so I'll go with um, a beer brand, Founders, from the US. And what, what about a brand that's really battling, either getting it wrong or in a, in a bit of trouble? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm going to fail this. Pass. <laughs> What about a, a mentor or a guru or your go-to marketing resource or a big influence on your on your marketing career? Ooh, I could actually say my father. And the biggest change in marketing today versus when you started out your marketing career? I think it's digital. Gillette, the best a man can be, a good ad or a bad ad? Well, I work for Gillette, so I'm going to be biased there and say absolutely, but uh, it was the best a man can get, not be, my friend. <laughs> and marketing in a few words. Marketing in a few words. Um, all about the customer. So I'm breaking my own rule here because I you had to give us the answer in 60 seconds, but I can't resist going back and touching upon your dad as your marketing mentor, and I assume you mean as a marketing mentor, not as a mentor in general. Tell That's us right. about your dad's influence on your marketing. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a funny story because if you ask my mum, she'll tell you that we're two peas in a pod. And I guess coming coming out of high school, I was like, I don't want to do what my dad does. And then guess what? I ended up enrolling in... <laughs> Bachelor of Business Marketing, and that was following in his footsteps. So the funny thing is, though, is that he, he went into uh, market research and, and I, I've gone into obviously a, a different aspect of marketing. And uh, I guess we've we've always had some good banter and that's why I say he, he probably has been my mentor in marketing. So right through my, uh, I guess, my my schooling and my, my further education. And clearly... Clearly, marketing research is an important, you value it greatly. Clearly, you've had firsthand experience about the success of that. But given your dad was in research, clearly it was something that was always going to be on your horizon and you were going to explore fully. Yeah, that's right. So I didn't choose that as a, as a career path. Um, but again, um, I guess with the beauty of, of the role that I've had across my career or roles that I've had across my career is enabled me to engage different partners along the way and, and that's when uh, I've been able to bounce with Dad and that's pretty cool too, so I've enjoyed it. A lot of fun. Thanks to Amanda McMillan for giving up her time to appear on MarCast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. MarCast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. For the latest insights on what it takes to be a marketing director, download the Hayes Report, DNA of a Marketing Director, at hayes.com.au.